In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The Gospel readings for the Sundays in Lent typically constellate around Jesus' injunctions to self-denial and self-sacrifice, laying down our lives, taking up our cross, believing in Him and in the meaning of His death. Jesus is making His way faithfully toward the final confrontation with the religious establishment as the completion of his work. This completion is his death in Jerusalem. He has set his face and nothing and no one will deter him from his mission. The narrative tension builds as Holy Week casts its shadow over each step as he comes closer to the climactic conflict with the powers. While those around him are concerned with the realities on the ground, especially about Jesus' opponents and how to respond to them, Jesus is altogether uninterested in the Romans, their puppet kings, what they think of him, what they think they can do to him, or what suffering will befall him if he continues his radical and subversive ways. His focus is on the cosmic unfolding of God's redemption of the world. He sees across the span of Israel's history how often they have failed to heed the call to amend their ways, and he laments what has been and what is coming. His people's suffering is a greater cause of sorrow than his own. Two saying fragments are brought together in this reading today, the response to Herod and the lament over Jerusalem. They may appear at first to be unrelated and somewhat awkwardly connected, but the contrast between them and the turn that happens in this short reading is very important, especially for our understanding of a Holy Lent. We do well to note carefully our Lord's near approach to Jerusalem, to Holy Week, so that his mind becomes our mind and his concerns our concerns. Much of the language and ideas I internalize and still hear about Lenten discipline is individualized, the giving up or taking on of something as the practice for the 40 days of Lent. I remember years when Lent for me was barely more than a project of my will, a contest against my flesh, the enemy, in the battle with its sinful desires and passions. As good Americans steeped in the ways of individualism and capitalist need fulfillment, we invariably hear in the invitation to a holy Lent the insistence to try harder. I recently led a Zoom session on prayer for a diocese where participants were asked to share beforehand their desires about their prayer practices. Words like deeper, refocus, more, better, and closer appeared repeatedly. 
The observation is in no way to demean the sincerity of the desire to pray wholeheartedly. But the distortion, the danger in such descriptors is in how prayer is interpreted. The self-criticism of not doing enough becomes the solution of praying more and better prayers to then measure up to holiness. It is as if what God desires is always just out of reach, beyond my grasp. So I must strain ever farther. And then having strained and filled myself with piety, I will be a better person and a better Christian. In this view, a holy Lent is a measurable and achievable goal of accumulated good works. But what if the repentance God invites in Lent is neither achievable nor measurable? What if my individual good work is not the point at all? Our Lord here in this text is reorienting our individualism, widening our horizons into the realm of the communal and the systemic. The theological words relevant here are principalities and powers from Ephesians chapter 6. The baptismal liturgy of the Book of Common Prayer asks the candidates for baptism if they renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God, and if they renounce the evil powers of this world, which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. So Holy Lent concerns more than just me as if I am in a vacuum. I exist within systems of thought and language and behavior that act upon me and shape the ways I see myself and the world very, very deeply. Jesus names Herod Antipas, but Herod is a symbol for spiritual forces and evil powers. Jesus names Jerusalem, but Jerusalem symbolizes all of Israel, all of its history of violence towards the prophets and those sent to it. So between the violence of oppression and the violence of corrupt hard-heartedness stands Jesus answering both, exposing both, grieving the suffering that comes from both, keenly aware of the end result of this grasp for power and control, which is death. The Romans and their co-conspirators believed that violence was the ultimate power and the fear it instilled the ultimate justice. Violence was necessary in the service of the greater good of order. The temple establishment believed that the preservation of customs and rituals exempted them from the prophetic correction. Violence was necessary in the service of the greater good of purity. Jesus will not be swayed by Herod's threats or deceived by the temple system's entitlement. By exposing the evil danger of these forces, he can then offer us a way of true community and peace. A holy Lent 
indeed God's very mission for the church, is contained in the alternative to both of these suicidal models of faux community. Jesus says, How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. That's it. That's let. And God's mission for us. Now, I know that so much of what so many churches and ministries do is so important and needed. I know many Episcopalians who welcome the stranger, feed the hungry, comfort the lonely. We are rightly serious about the dignity of every person, the call to justice, the care of God's creation. May God give us the means and grace to sustain all of that and to share the good news with all people. But here in these words, for this time, our Lord's desire is not to call us to get one more food drive or march or meeting. He is asking us to allow ourselves to be gathered close to him for love's sake because he wants us together and close to him. The temple establishment dutifully kept the laws and traditions, carefully observed the sacrifices and festivals and Sabbaths. They were serious about purity and cleanliness. Yet when the prophets declared God's judgment, they scoffed. And when the Messiah, the very Messiah for whom they have waited and hoped these many centuries appears, They mocked him as he hung on a cross. In their quest to get the outer goodness right, they neglected the purpose of the life of covenant, the heart of God's faithfulness and mercy. They would not be gathered to Jesus because they made the project of holiness their own and believed they could manage it very well all by themselves. They succumb to the spiritual force of self-sufficiency and a spirituality of measurements. And consenting to be gathered, not based on our own merits or goodness, but in the wonder and poverty of our inherent sacredness as the beloved children of our Lord, we are faced with the loss of our mass of success and achievement We are faced with the anguish of our pride, the lament for our satisfaction with ourselves in our own eyes. But in that being gathered, in the embrace of the Lord's close proximity, we may finally be given the freedom to reveal our deepest desire, to know our deepest longing which is abandon our attachment to our exterior self and surrender completely to God's love. When we surrender to God in the desert of emptiness, God reveals mercy without condition and without explanation in the mystery of love. We love Christ best by letting Christ love us, letting Christ gather us to himself. Doing good works for Christ 
is never a substitute for being gathered to Christ. During Lent, it is good to hear a word from St. John of the Cross. So I conclude with this passage from the dark night of the soul. Therefore, O spiritual soul, when you see your desire obscured, your affections arid and constrained, and your faculties bereft of their capacity for any interior exercise, be not afflicted by this, but rather consider it a great happiness, since God is freeing you from yourself and taking the work from your hands. For with those hands, however well they may serve you, you would never labor so effectively, so perfectly, so securely, because of their clumsiness and uncleanness, as now, when God takes your hand and guides you in the darkness, as though you were blind, by an end and by a way which you know not, nor could ever hope to travel with the aid of your own eyes and feet, howsoever good you may be as a walker. Amen.